0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast.
1: Alex Pearson in for John Oakley. And uh, the party that you can literally fit into a minivan, maybe even a mini these days, uh, are set to hold their leadership campaign in March. And I did think we'd actually see more names fighting out for top job, but there will be six candidates. And whomever gets that job has an enormous task in front of them because they basically have to they have to rebuild the whole party and the membership. And looking back to when Wynne ran for leadership, she managed to bring in 44,000 members, but that was then. And this is now. And we had a big old provincial election, and I suspect a lot of volatility in both the federal election and provincial election maybe has left folks fatigued by politics, which then makes the job of all these hopefuls even harder. Because how do you sell a batter and bruise party that needs such a big overhaul and needs to rebuild? My next guest thinks he is the guy to do it. His name is Stephen Del Duca, former Liberal MP and Transport Minister. Good to have you.
0: Good to be on, Alex. Thank you.
1: So out of all the leadership hopefuls, you, I would say, are the the most senior and you're very motivated. You were the first to throw your hat in the ring for this. And you managed to sign up the most members at 14,000, give or take those numbers. And, of course, in a membership and a a leadership vote, that all can change because the top person can fall to last depending on how everything happens behind them. But what was the biggest challenge? I mean, what was some of the feedback you heard when you were trying to sell your party and yourself as leader?
0: I think um, I will tell you that I think in the earliest stages of my touring, because I began exploring back in January, February, I first announced officially in April that I'd be running prior to the last provincial budget. I think a lot of liberals were demoralized. Obviously, the June 2018 election was tough for us. I lost my own seat and, uh, you know, everybody kind of knows what those results looked like and it wasn't a lot of fun. I would say... Following the provincial budget, Doug Ford's first budget, which I think was April the 11th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there was a definite uptick in um, enthusiasm amongst liberals, and not just liberals, but people who were prepared to take another look at our party, because I think people saw uh, very, very starkly in that first budget that voting has consequences and Doug Ford's agenda is not aligned with the direction the province needs to go. And so it's almost like there were two halves, not quite two halves, but there was a noticeable difference in tone and response. Uh, And I think since the federal election, every single one of the candidates who are running for leader has seen that the crowds are being growing. People want to be involved. People want to be engaged because they realize the stakes are really high. So I think right now for the party, it feels really good. I think all six of us have some pretty solid momentum heading into the end of the year and the convention that's in March.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the Ford government still has a long way to go. Three years is a long time in politics. So it's it's. You know, they've got lots of time and lots of runway. Uh, and no one can argue that the party is very, very badly bruised. And, and uh, the other candidates you're facing have all said that there have been real challenges in rallying people. So what? how would you rebuild this party? Do you go back to the same kind of liberal party that, that was running, which was further left? Or do, would you take this party back to the center?
0: So I think the most important thing for liberals to consider as we head into the convention in March is that From the day we pick our new leader, there will literally be 26 months until the next election starts. And, you know, the party still has a sizable debt. We have to find or will have to find well over 100 candidates that are not currently incumbents because the caucus is relatively small. And most importantly, we have to figure out what will be the compelling platform of ideas that we'll be able to talk to Ontarians about come 2022, that they will once once again be captivated by, that they'll once again feel that they can have faith and confidence in us, that is a lot of work to do in a relatively short period of time. So as a party, regardless of who wins the leadership, but certainly if I win, I am committed to hitting the ground running on Monday, March the 9th. And I believe that my experience and my energy and, frankly, my work ethic uh, will stand me in good stead in that regard. But it won't be easy. Uh, it'll be an uphill an uphill um, journey that we'll be on as a party. But we've done this before We've rebuilt before and we've been successful. We just have to make sure that we're working harder than ever before and realizing that we have to once again connect with voters in that compelling way.
1: Yeah, I mean, 26 months isn't a lot of time, but when you look at what happened with Patrick Brown when he was taken out and then the Ford uh, team built in, in just a couple of minutes and w- months, went to a leadership uh, battle, and then right into an election, it can be done. It can be done in a matter of three or four months, as we saw. Bottom yeah. line is, a you wear, um, because you're a part of that government, you wear the stain of years, 15 years, and whether we can get into word games about what the deficit was, what it is, what the Ford government's doing, Doing. bottom line is you're gonna have to sell your own uh, record given you are part of the old record how do you do that
0: I don't you know I think in all of my touring over the last uh, number of months more than 130 communities that I've been to I think the first thing is to level with the voters and level with the people of the province we did a lot of really good things to deliver on some tremendous progress for example I'm yet to meet a single Ontarian who tells me they want us to start burning coal again to produce our electricity having said that we have to be honest enough with ourselves and voters to recognize we were not a flawless or perfect government. And we did make some decisions along the way that clearly turned off voters. I think it's important for us to remember experience is the best teacher. And so having having been inside the government the last few years that we were there, I got to see some things that we did really, really well. And this notion of getting outside the bubble is while I'm, why while, while I'm touring the way that I am and working the way that I am to be – all over Ontario and talk with people in their everyday lives to connect with them once again, I think is really, really important. So, you know, <clears throat> to me experience is the best teacher and it's, it's exactly, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> too much talking these days. Sorry, sorry. about this, but, I, I um, it. it happens. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, being focused on the concerns and the aspirations and hopes that the people of the province have, I think is the most important way for us to go about our business. And again, I'm an optimist by nature. I'm convinced if we roll up our sleeves and hit the ground running on Monday, March the 9th, we'll be able to get the job done. But we, we can't fool ourselves into believing that it's going to be simple or easy. It's just about hard work because there are no shortcuts to success.
1: And so when you go back to that point where you say, you know, you regret some of the things that happened with your own party, what would have been the biggest thing that you wish uh, under the Wynn government they did not do that has caused the biggest problem for you to overcome?
0: You know, I think that when you're in power for a long stretch of time, and, and I was there for the last six it was years. like an eternity. Just, just Yeah, <laughs> for a 15-year <laughs> run. And again, tons of progress that we delivered that I'm very proud of. But I think after a while, you, you actually do kind of get stuck inside a bit of a bubble, and you certainly run the risk of giving voters a sense that you're stuck inside that, that, stuck inside that bubble, that there's this feeling that perhaps you think you have an entitlement to govern, right? And I don't think any of it was malice. I think all the work that we did was well-intentioned. I think there was just a feeling that we gave the people of Ontario that, you know, we were we were, again, we had been there for such a stretch of time um that uh, they no longer felt like we were being relatable to their everyday struggles you know their month-to-month pocketbook concerns for example and so i think we have to rediscover how to talk with the people of this province have those discussions in a relatable way and make them understand that we're on their side it's i don't think the people of ontario expect government to fix every single problem for them but i do believe they want a government in those critically large areas health care education a clean environment a prosperous economy that's fair I think in those areas and in a few other areas, protecting the most vulnerable, people just want to see a government that's on their side and respects the money that they work hard to earn. And I think liberals can can uh, can develop that platform of ideas. I'm convinced we can, in fact, and I know that the six women and men who are running for leader are all devoted to that outcome. And it's it's been a great journey so far, and, and I'm looking forward to the next three months.
1: It may take a little. Go ahead. Well, it might take a couple, a couple more years, uh, one more mandate to, to wash off, uh, I think, a lot of uh, anger from Ontarians because it might, in Toronto, you certainly get a different reaction than outside of Toronto uh, to what the Liberal um, mandate was. So it depends. But uh, looking at your Liberal leadership uh, rival, Alvin Tejo, I think I'm saying that right. You know, he wants to end the Catholic, um, you know, he'd be happy to. Look at closing. I guess the Catholic funding for the Catholic boards. What would be your big idea? And by the way, I don't even have a problem with that idea. I think the electorate would probably not uh, want that. But what would your big idea be?
0: Yeah. So I mean, you know, I think I think my big idea right now at this stage is to say we we have to be positioned. I know I've said this a couple of times already. We got to hit the ground running right after the leadership convention. And it's you know the other thing I didn't say a second ago is that, and this was something we fell into the trap of doing. It's really important for us to not pretend that we have all the answers. I I say to people in all of my travels, if I had all the answers, I don't think I would have lost my seat in June of 2018. I don't think we would have lost the election as badly as we did. So it's uh, a lot of things that are important to me, making sure we have that prosperous economy, making sure workers have dignity, making sure we honor entrepreneurs, climate change, uh, you know, a a plan to confront climate change in a real way, health care, pharma care, all of it. I support all of that and more.
1: Sounds expensive.
0: Uh, Well, but you know what? The people of this province, I'm convinced, are prepared to make the investments that matter to them in their day-to-day lives. Uh, And as long as government's doing that and demonstrating that it's on their side, I think they're quite okay with that. They don't want their money wasted, but they do have an expectation that it's going to be invested in the things that matter most. I would say, to me, the biggest idea is we don't have an entitlement to govern. We have to earn every single vote, every single step of the way. And we have to actually genuinely listen to the people of the province when they are trying to tell us what kind of direction they want the province to go in. And I think if we do that and we do it in a very dedicated and relentless way, we will be successful and not successful simply to win an election for sort of a notch on, you know, it's on the scorecard. It's about getting the province back on track.
1: Quickly, 30 seconds. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were uh, in charge today, how would you be handling uh, the work to rule campaign? What would you be doing with this union? Would you give them the 2%? You
0: know, I, I 30 seconds. I would say, <laughs> if I, I think, I think the challenges that the four governments having as they negotiate with the education sector, if I can put it that way, or with teachers, is that it's quite clear they don't respect public education, that the values are out of whack from this government, the way they've handled this from day one. And I think uh, when I send my daughters off to school in the morning, I want to make sure they're in a strong environment where they're learning, where they're healthy, where they're safe. And I want to make sure that their teachers are motivated and excited to be in that classroom. And if I was Premier of Ontario, I would make sure that was my primary focus. And I think if you do that and you stay at the table, you get miraculous results. And Doug Ford's not doing that.
1: All right. But you didn't answer if you'd given the 2%, which I think a lot of people want to know. Would you you give it or not? But nonetheless, uh, good luck with the leadership uh, convention. I know that's coming up soon. And I know it's a lot of work uh, for any candidate to do that. So we'll wish you the best of luck.
0: Thanks so much, Alex.
1: That is Stephen Del Duca, one of the uh, six running for top job of the Liberal Party. It's a big job. I think it'll take a little while. I don't know if it'll happen in one term to fix it. But nonetheless, they'll have to fight that one out.
0: Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and anywhere else you get your on demand audio.